Good morning. I was telling the last two services, uh, five minutes before the first service started, uh, our seven-year-old son ran up to me backstage, and he had like a third of a donut. And he was like, Dad, where do I put my donut? And he hands it to me, and I was like... So I slammed this thing, and the sugar, the sugar hit right as I started preaching the first service, and then it kind of wore off. Uh, I was coming down off of it as I began preaching the second service. So I think this might be the first normal service of the, of the day. So anyway, thank you for being here. We are wrapping up something we've been talking about for the last five weeks that's really centered around our identity, our identity. And we, we actually launched with um, this idea of Waldo. Because many of you remember through the years, uh, opening up the Waldo books, and you'd spend all this time searching for Waldo. And then over time, what happened is people came up with ways and formulas to find Waldo. And the creator of Waldo came out and said, listen, it was never meant to be a formula. It was always meant to be a search. And as I read that, I thought, wow, I, I believe we have a creator who looks at us and he says, look, it's not a formula. It's so much more personal. It's so, so much more intimate than that. It's a search. And when you find Christ, you find that identity. But God continues to take us on a search for how our identity in him is expressed. And so we began looking through the, the, a piece of the life of Moses. Because when you look at the life of Moses, there are some elements that, that you can draw some parallels between Moses' life and our lives that God will use to shape us and to form us. And in that first week uh, where we landed was that Moses had to spend some time discovering and finding out who he wasn't and how he wasn't. In other words, there was this sense of justice within him, but the way he expressed that and the way he carried it out, he had to discover how not to do it. And if you don't want to take the Bible's word for it or my word for it, uh, Matthew McConaughey has been saying the same thing on Lincoln commercials lately. I don't know if you've noticed. And many people believe he and I are twins. So um, just go off that. All right, all right, all right, all right. So uh, the, the second thing that we landed on that second week is that Moses, Moses arrived in the wilderness. And this was not just a week of wilderness. This was years 40 years in the wilderness. And, and what we came to was that we may have to walk through some wilderness, but God will not waste your wilderness or my wilderness. In fact, he'll use it to shape our perspective to begin to see a little bit differently for where we landed that third week. Moses shows up at the base of the mountain of God. And rather than having his eyes on the mountaintops, God's presence and God's activity was right here in this very ordinary bush but this bush was anything but ordinary because it was ablaze with the presence and the activity of God. And we were reminded that while we tend to look at the mountaintops and the high points and the inspirational points, sometimes God's right there. In fact, he's often, much more than we think, right there in the everyday, the ordinary, maybe you think of it as mundane, but he's right there if we'll just look. And then finally, last week, we landed on this idea. God and Moses continue to have this conversation on holy ground right there where the bush, this shrub is at. And God says, Moses, take off your sandals. The place you're standing is holy ground. And out of reverence for God, Moses removes his sandals. But as we talked about last week, the act of removing his sandals also made him very vulnerable to what would have been maybe some very rough ground. And we're reminded that when we get vulnerable before God, 
and take off those sandals that are protecting our heart, that God can begin to thicken our skin and soften our heart for that which he calls us into. And so you can see Moses being formed. And as you think through your life, we've all got these places where if we'll just open our eyes, God is forming us. And so that brings us to today, to one final, final uh, element that God will use to shape us. And I believe this is the one that is truly a choice. It's a deliberate choice on our part. See, these previous four, they had this, they had this sense of life happening to us. Right, And so I've just got to tough it out and I've just got to walk through it. And wow, this is really inspirational, Nathan. Thanks for bringing this up. But today, today as we look at what this conversation between God and Moses is, there is a choice that Moses makes that I believe is a choice set before you and I every single day that can be so formative in who we become and how we express what God's doing within us. Now, To give you a little context, if you remember last week, God and Moses have just had a conversation and God comes to Moses and he says, look, all the stuff you say about yourself, I say something different because you have me. So I'm gonna send you to Pharaoh. I'm gonna send you to the Israelites and then I'm gonna send you to Pharaoh and I'm gonna send you to the Egyptians and they are all going to recognize that you've been with me. And this thing's gonna play out the way I say it's gonna play out. And so Moses full of confidence, full of inspiration, maybe full of courage, goes. He goes to the leaders of Israel and they respond exactly how God said they'd respond. And then Moses and Aaron show up at the throne of Pharaoh. And they say, the Lord has said, let my people go so they can worship me out in the wilderness. And suddenly nothing goes as God says it's gonna go. Pharaoh hardens his heart and he says, I don't know who this Lord is. In fact, the fact that you're even asking is gonna come with a penalty. In fact, now I'm gonna expect the Israelites to produce as much work as they've been producing, but with far less material. And so the work got even harder and things got, as we've been hearing throughout 2020, things got worse before they would get better. And the Israelite leaders, those who are overseeing the work, are beginning to feel the heat and they come back to Moses and Aaron and they say, what have you done? What have you done? This thing that you were so confident God was gonna do, he's not doing. Now, could I stop there for a minute? Isn't it true that as as you think about your life decades ago and then you think about today, isn't it true that you look around and you go, wow, nothing is going the way I thought this would go. This is where Moses is at in this moment. And, And he had the word of God God had told him how it was gonna go. And yet as he looks around, he's feeling this heat going, this isn't going, God, the way you said this would go. And Moses has a choice. And I wanna I want take you to that choice right off the bat. It's Exodus chapter five, verse 22. It's half a verse. Look at what Exodus five twenty-two says. Moses returned to the Lord. Moses returned to the Lord. To the Lord. Now, in one sense, we know he's always with us, right? But isn't it true that we can, we can waver in being with him? I and mean, whether it's our attention, whether it's our thinking, whether it's our mindset, maybe it's our actions, we can waver, can't we? And especially when things get difficult, when things seem to be getting worse before they get better, that's hard to keep him on the radar. And so Moses returned 
to the Lord. Now it's interesting. The writer doesn't give us any sort of uh, specific as to what this looked like. He didn't say Moses went to this place. He didn't go to the summit of the mountain of God. And at this time of the day, he said this prayer or anything like that. It just says Moses returned to the Lord because now we're gonna get this whole thing from the perspective of God through God's eyes. And you know what mattered to God is that Moses returned to the Lord. That's all we're given. But what is interesting is what Moses returned with. Let's finish the passage here. Moses 5, 22 and 23, Moses returned to the Lord and said, why? In other words, question. Why, Lord? Have you, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? See, Moses is coming back, and honestly, Moses, he's got his finger in God's face. He's saying, this isn't going the way you said this would go. Did you notice his two questions? One is about what's going on in front of him, and one is what's going on within him. Moses comes before, returns to the Lord, and he says, listen, as I look at what's in front of me, I don't get it. This isn't what you said. And come to think of it, as I think about what's going on inside me, I don't get it. I mean, we've done all this work, all this formation, all of this up to now, and, and they're gonna reject what you said they wouldn't reject? Is this why you sent me? Well, he continues, because his questions point us at something that we can see in our own lives as well. Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. See, Moses is living with some questions. And living with some questions always puts us in a place of tension, doesn't it? Because there are some unresolved things that if this was up to me and if life were going the way I would see it, certain things would be playing out the way I think they should play out. And yet Moses is up against the tension of it. But Moses knew. There's one thing Moses knew. He's tried to come up with his own answer before. Remember 40 years prior to this? Moses looks out, he sees an Egyptian beating his fellow Hebrew. And so Moses, out of this profound sense of justice within him, a sense of justice that honestly God put inside of him, Moses acts from this sense of, of justice. But it comes out in this really broken, really distorted way. He murders an Egyptian. Because this is what we do. When we come up against tension, you know what the first thing we start doing? All right, what's the answer? What's the solution? We don't like to walk in tension, do we? No, we like to resolve it. We wanna get answers to our questions. And yet Moses had learned that didn't go so well the first time. See, living with questions as we are right now, especially this year, but I, and I don't know what's going on on the personal level, all of us walk with questions. And living with questions creates this tension that we tend to resolve with our own answers, don't we? There's this phenomenon that uh, has taken place in uh, Kara and I's marriage since the day we were married. And we can giggle about it now, but it wasn't, it wasn't so funny at first. It's called when Nathan goes to the grocery store, okay? Men, I'm talking to you. Have you experienced this? You know, listen, when we want to get like the big picture of our groceries right, Kara goes, because I'm just going to mess it up. But when we just need a few things, that's when I get sent with a list. 
And I, something happens when I get into the grocery store. She sends me with this list. It should be, it's clear, right? It's usually in the five food groups. And then I come home with the sixth food group of Oreo, the double stuff Oreos. And um, she sits there and she goes, what, what happened? What happened in the moment you were standing in the aisle? I mean, she's got a spreadsheet. She knows exactly what is on each aisle. So she can even guess based on what time it is, what aisle I should be in if I were just to work right to left. Okay, so what happened, Nathan, when you were standing in the soup aisle and you got double stuff Oreos that aren't even in that aisle? How'd that happen? And how did you, I, I'm going to have to tell some of you um, what, what these are later on because you're younger. Um, there was this thing called coupons. We would, we would cut coupons at the beginning of our marriage. I mean, before it became like this electronic digital thing. And she'd look at the receipt and go, you didn't even take the coupons in, did you? <laughs> no, I did not. I, well, I used the coupon. She's like, yeah, but not on the brand that the coupon applied to. And here's what happens. When you're standing there, you think, I just want to get this right. And honestly, I want to get out of here as fast as possible because the grocery store was not on my radar today. I mean, I've got, I've got big things going on today. Like, uh, I'll think of it later, okay? But I've got big things going on today. And so what we do is we want to resolve the tension. And so early on in our marriage, I just started making decisions. Ah, this will do. This will do. And it, double stuff worries. I mean, those are a necessity. We can't live without those. And that's what happens when we come up with our own answers, isn't it? Because we want to resolve something. Well, the conversation between God and Moses continues. And now God is going to give Moses a perspective that Moses didn't fully have yet. Look at Exodus chapter 6, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive him, drive them out of this country. Did you catch that phrase? Now you will see. Something happens when we return to the Lord. God says, now you will see. You may have questions. There may be something that's unresolved. You may not even like what's going on in front of you. But God says, now you will see. And in Moses' case, it was everything that Moses was convinced wasn't happening. God said, now you're going to see what I'm going to do in the midst of all this. Moses, that sense of justice that you had all those years ago that you were born with, now you will see the way I see it. Now you will see how I'm going to use it. Now you will see what your part in it is. And it's not coming up with your own answers. See, it's entirely possible that when we come up against the tension where we want to find our own answers, that God's actually just trying to get our attention. Maybe the tension is to get our attention, not our answers. Because does God need our answers? God doesn't need our answers. What he wants is our attention. Can I come back to the grocery store for a minute? There was this really profound practice that I believe is marriage changing, okay? I walk into the store and I'd call Kara when I came up against the tension. I, it was life changing for us. You're like, yeah, Nathan, idiot. We figured that out when you started telling this story. But it was amazing when I switched modes into going, okay, maybe I don't have the answers. What if I just call? 
What if I just call? And Kara knows to just keep her phone. When I'm leaving for the store, she keeps her phone not just near her, but in her hand. Because seven phone calls are coming. Even if I only went for one item, seven phone calls are coming. Yesterday morning, 24 hours ago, it was acetone for our daughter. You know, fingernail polish remover. I just learned that's fingernail polish remover yesterday. I'm 40 years old and I just learned this yesterday. But here's where I found myself yesterday morning in the most uncomfortable aisle of the store for me to be in, in front of the nail polish. And they've got 30 rows of nail polish, five wide, and I'm going, acetone, no, acetone, no, acetone, no. Another customer is coming by behind me. She's like, what are you looking for? I was like, acetone, whatever that is. She goes, ha, keeps going. Doesn't even help. Acetone, 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 acetone. Finally, call my wife, call my daughter. Okay. This acetone that you speak of, I've never even heard of this. They're like, yeah, it's, it's fingernail polish remover. Look down to your left. There it is. I'm like doing this. I think I was 15 rows down. Oh, it's right there. See, this is what happens. Now you will see, God says. Now you will see. Stop trying to come up with your own answers, Nathan. Stop trying to come up with what you think ought to happen. Stop holding on to that. And just return to the Lord. Return to the Lord, and now you will see. And God answered in an extravagant way, a handful of verses later. Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. Just count with me the I will responses of God. Listen to how many times God says, I will. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Did you catch that? I mean, I, I can't imagine what's going on in Moses' head, right? But God, do you see what's going on in front of me? And God responds extravagantly seven times. I will. I see it. And I will. And yeah, but God, do you know about this sense of justice that's stirring around inside me? God goes, oh, I know. I put it there. And I will. I will bring it about. Yeah, but God, if, if, if I don't, and then they won't. Or if, if, I, if I do, they won't. And God says, I know, I will. I will. See, this is God's extravagant response to us when we return to him. He says, I will. And you may not, you may not see the how right now, and you may not see the timing, but just know. I will. Now, here's the really interesting part about this whole episode. It's this powerful conversation between God and Moses, the second one between them that we know of. And right before this conversation, Moses almost didn't get there. Moses almost missed this entire thing. Because on the heels of his first conversation with God... God has formed him, shaped him. He's 80 years old. He's walked him through the wilderness. He spoke to him through this burning bush. He, they've had this conversation on holy ground. God gives him the plan and he comes out of it. And Moses goes on his way in Exodus chapter four, verse 24. Listen to this. 
at a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. What? I mean, we've gone through 80 years of Moses' life. We've gone through a few chapters of Exodus. And you're about to kill him? What is that? And and honestly, the incident it's tied to could be a whole sermon in and of itself. But what it boils down to is that Moses, Moses, after all that God had done to shape him, was still trying to do it Moses' way. It was Moses' thoughts. It was Moses' answers to all of it. To the question, who am I? Moses was still coming up with his own answers. To the question, what am I supposed to be doing? What are you calling me into? Moses still had his own answers. And the end result of that, as we see there in Exodus 4, is death. It's death, but for the intervention of God. And for Moses, it was a face-to-face with God. And here's why we're so fortunate to live in in the era, in history that we live in. Because we live on this side of the cross. And again, for Moses, it was a face-to-face, and for us, God's intervention, a cross. A cross where he would say, I know you're going through life with your own answers and your own way and your own thoughts and your own timing and your own uh, how this is going to come about in mind. But, excuse me, return. Return to the Lord. And you know where you can do that? At the cross. The cross is where God says, return. Return. And you will have forgiveness. And on the heels of that forgiveness, there is resurrection life. There's a different way of doing it when you return to the Lord. Because you get to see what he will do. And you get to be assured of what he will do. See, returning to the Lord makes the difference between living from our answers and his responses. When we return to the Lord, we get to live not from our answers to who am I, what's my identity, what's my purpose. Instead, we get to live from his response. Now, I want to come back to the grocery store for a moment. And you're like, well, I didn't think grocery store was that big a deal. But if you need to talk about it, Nathan, fine. But here's what happened just a few weeks ago. Um, we frequently go to the King Supers. It's about five, ten minutes from here over on Ken Carroll. And this, this team of people that works at King Supers, I mean, it is amazing the consistency of this team over and over. And I got to be honest, from the beginning of this pandemic, there are two groups, and, and I know there are more, but there are two groups that you just think, wow, they're on the front lines of this thing. And one is the medical community, and the second are truly those who work in the grocery stores. While people are screaming at them for shortage of toilet paper and everything else, they continue to show up. And about four, three, four months ago, the uh, team over here at King Supers, uh, just familiar with them um, from going there through the years, uh, one of their team members, Lyle, uh, died suddenly and uh, knew they were going through some, some difficulty. But a few weeks ago, I walked into the grocery store. It was on the heels of me saying to Kara, Kara, why don't you just go to the grocery store? Because I don't want to screw this up again. And I walked into the grocery store and they've got this picture of another team member, Ivan. Ivan, who died suddenly just about a month ago. And as I sat there and I looked at this picture, suddenly a couple of them came up and said, I said, I I had no idea this happened. And with tears in their eyes, they just said, this is the hardest year and not because of everything going on, big picture. 
but because of this. And suddenly I went, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, Lord, you're, you're, you're doing something here. You're opening my eyes to your response instead of my answers. The grocery store was no longer acetone and double stuff Oreos. Suddenly the grocery store has become something so much more. That Nathan, maybe after years and hundreds of trips where you didn't understand why you're the one to go, maybe I'm doing something. Maybe I'm calling you into something. And maybe it's this thing that you've, you've never looked past or you've never looked at because you've looked past it. But in this everyday place, I'm doing something. See, I believe God wants to do that with every single one of us. If we could let go of our answers to where God is and who I am and what he's up to and what I'm supposed to do and what's my part and say, Lord, I'm here. I'm returning to you. Let me see through your eyes what you will do. And in this case, an opportunity to walk next to a hurting community that honestly has had foot to the floor on the gas since this whole pandemic began. And so the question is, as we wrap up, as the worship team comes back up, the question is, what does returning to the Lord look like? I'm so intrigued that the refrain of scripture is return to the Lord. I mean, you see it, right? Jesus tells maybe the most famous parable of them all, the most well-known of them all, the prodigal son. He gets his father's inheritance, goes to a far off land, squanders his wealth and wild living. And, and it's so interesting. He gets this plan together. He says, I'm gonna go back to my father. I'm gonna return, but I'm gonna have a plan to be his servant. And my favorite part of this parable is the son is coming back and the father sees him from far off. And right as the son's about to open his mouth and say, hey, I'll do this and this and this to be your servant, the father embraces him and says, you are my son. And maybe that's your story. Maybe it's been a long time since you even thought of God. And maybe it's been a far off land in wild living or, or just choices outside of him and what you know he wants for you. And he says, return. Return, maybe that's you. Or maybe, maybe it's more like this man Daniel that we read about. Daniel, who for over 30 years lived in the house of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian brutal, brutal king, who if you disagreed with him, he did away with you. And it's interesting because Daniel never really ascends to power in Nebuchadnezzar's palace. I mean, he, he does, but nowhere near what Nebuchadnezzar has. And you know what it was over that 30 years? To put that in perspective, eight presidential terms, Daniel, three times a day. You know what you see him doing? Return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. He's getting on his knees, returning to the Lord. Lord, I'm here. What if that characterized the way we went through our days. Returning to him, aware that he's right there with us every single moment. Because that's what happens. When you return to the Lord, we live, not from our answers, but his responses. And so let me pray. We'll close in one song. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you are a God who you notice, you see us, walking through this life. And honestly, we're navigating as best we know how. So that often means we're resorting to our own answers. And yet 
We all know. We all know how draining it is, that it ends in nothing life-giving. It ends in death because that's, that's what our fallen human nature does. We go about it our own ways. And so Heavenly Father, stir us, nudge us, intervene, cause us to return to you. And as we look forward, after we've talked the last five weeks, there are all kinds of things we know you use to shape us, but ultimately we know you are shaping us for you. And so draw our hearts back that we would see you, that you would mold us into the people that you want us to be in order to carry out the good works that you prepared in advance. Thank you for all this and thank you for what your son did for us at the cross. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.